Hey there, fellow therapists. You are listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and I'm so glad you're tuning in to today's episode. Today, we are exploring ways that you, as a therapist, can begin to develop your CEO orientation as a therapreneur therapist and entrepreneur. I invited onto the podcast Dr. Christy Kadarian. Dr. Christy is a world-renowned relationship expert. She is a former matchmaker on Match.com. She is a radio host. She's been featured all over the place as a relationship expert. And in today's episode, she's going to be sharing with us her methodology on becoming a therapist and entrepreneur in addition to exploring creative ways that a therapist as an entrepreneur, can create passive forms of income. We both together dive into our own experience in navigating entrepreneurship as therapists, some of the mindset blocks that can get in the way, and also get real specific on some of the ways that you can begin to grow your business and diversify your income. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. If the following episode is of interest to you. You might also be interested in learning more about my private practice e-courses for therapists building modern private practices, the crafted practice, the established therapist toolkit, and podcasting for therapists. In the crafted practice and established therapist toolkit, you're going to find lessons on ways that you can begin to diversify your income, including ways that you can begin to hone in on your niche, your specialty, what you have to offer the world get crystal clear on that. And then you could jump into a lesson all about ways that you can market and create a digital course, for instance, or how to form really aligned partnerships, why you as a therapist might want a media kit. And I even offer you a template of how to create one. And so if you would like access to all of that plus more, head to the link in the show notes. If you are tuning in around the time that this episode aired, September 2021, the doors to my courses are currently open. They only open three times a year though. So if you're tuning in at a different time, you can still click on the link in the show notes to join the waitlist to be the first to know when those doors open again. All right. Are you ready to dive in and learn ways that you can embrace and connect with your inner entrepreneur and inner CEO? All right, let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Christy Kadarian. Thank you so much for joining me and coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to dive into this topic with you. But before we dive in, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself and your background with the listeners so they can get to know you too. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Dr. Christy Kadarian. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist um, in Pasadena, California. I um, Basically, part of my journey has really been um, my fascination with relationships and relationships in every area. So whether that's 
you know, in your family, romantically, friendships, business. I think the foundation and kind of what gives our life meaning um, is relationships. So that fascination kind of came at an early age, um, both the communities that I'm part of as I'm an Armenian by uh, my ethnic heritage and my faith background um, as a Christian. I really saw how much those relationships shape who we are as people and um, our identity and kind of that development. So in college, I studied um, at USC. I, I got my undergrad in psychology. I did research in the family studies lab and really um, understood how systems and the family unit affecting how someone develops made sense to me. So that kind of sparked my interest, pursued marriage and family therapy. I became a matchmaker at eHarmony and learned all about kind of compatibility, what makes people a good fit um, ahead of time. And that really led into my passion and what I do today, which is providing dating coaching um, for singles and helping them find love through um, just these research scientific backed principles. And then through being an online business and understanding how um, just having that experience as a therapist and as an expert really can help so many more people rather than the one-to-one model. I became, um, I got pursued by a lot of therapists asking me, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? Like, how are you kind of growing this following and creating these other ways to help people? And then that's what started my passion, uh, which is the other branch of my business and helping therapists um, kind of transition into the digital space, become coaches, consultants, speaking, um, all those things, and really shift into a one-to-many model and help, um, you know, change the world beyond just the couch. So that's kind of the long and short of it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. We share very similar passions, and I'm so curious to hear a little bit about your journey into branching out as a therapist into some of these other spaces. You know, I know that today we're really going to be talking about, you know, how to develop as a therapist, your CEO orientation, CEO orientation as a therapreneur. I love these terms. Um, And, you know, but before we get there, how did you get there? Like, what was that experience for you? Like first stepping into, you know, a new space as, as a therapist? Yeah, great question. So I noticed pretty early on in my um, career educational path that I'm very multi-passionate. So when I entered grad school, like many of us, we receive these messages that there's like two paths to becoming a therapist. You know, you're either like full-time private practice, like this is, you know, what you're doing, or you're in an agency work or some sort of treatment center. And I don't really like being put into a box because I like doing so many different Me neither. things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I heard that, and even post-career, when I pursue different things. I was always getting these messages like, "Mm, oh, you're doing matchmaking or even from like supervisors and other people. Oh, like you're, you're doing other things. I once had a supervisor tell me that if I really wanted to be a good therapist, I have to fully just focus on being a therapist. And I really rejected that notion and decided, okay, well, I'm just going to carve my own path, regardless of other people's judgments, which is what we teach our clients to do all the time. Um, And lean into the fact that, um, you know, I'm extroverted. I like, um, I feel like I'm a better therapist when I'm doing different things, not when I'm sitting in front of, you know, client nowadays, a computer, just, you know, just doing therapy all day. So I really leaned into that multi-passionate approach. And 
what I learned is that um, about myself, that really to be able to serve and have that impact, that I needed to be really good at the business part. And I think as many therapists, we're just told, just focus on being a good clinician and everything else will work itself out. But that's not always the case. And I noticed that we're not leaning into that and then we're not giving the opportunity for people to have that transformation because we're not good at the business stuff. We, you know, we invest in every single letter in the alphabet of certifications, you know, all the let ACT, MDR, whatever letter it is. And then we know nothing about business. So that's really where my method came from and being what I think a thriving therapist is a really good clinician, knowing a lot about your specific niche and learning how to meet your potential client or customer where they're at with it and being a CEO. And that's what really helps you to thrive. So I really lived into that and feel so passionate and called to help therapists understand there's a third option. It's not just these like two boxes you have to fit into. Yes. And I love that you and I are both out here in the world, like spreading the good news that (laughs) there, it doesn't have to look like one thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, if that being a therapist and, and seeing clients and having that be your sole focus, if that lights you up, then, oh my gosh, that is what you do. But for the clinician out there who is maybe thinking, I do like that, and maybe that will always be a part of the work that I do. But there's also this like little entrepreneur inside me, <laughs> this little entrepreneur who's just waiting to have some space to come out and explore what other options there are, other ways that they could be showing up in the world, making money, while also living in alignment with their values and feeling like they are doing the work they feel called to do. So how how do we do this? I I, want to hear um, your perspective on what it means to be a therapreneur, (laughs) to be a therapist and an entrepreneur, to really embrace that sort of like inner CEO mm-hmm. um, and how how to develop this sort of within yourself or how to, if it's already there, kind of rediscover it and, and give it space to thrive in the world as mm-hmm. a clinician. Yeah, great question. So I what I see happening pretty frequently is that we've been told this message that if you're good if you're a good therapist, you're bad at business. I don't know if you've heard this before, but we kind of oh, find yeah. a stereotype like, oh, these great therapists, like they're not the ones you see out there marketing their stuff. If you have to market and sell, like you're probably not a good therapist because you like can't keep your clients in there. So we first have to really understand what some of these negative and false beliefs that we've been told um, are creating, which are mental blocks towards actually like, you know, talking about what we do and the transformation that we provide. So that's one of the first things that I think we have to start unraveling our beliefs around success, our beliefs around marketing, being seen. I'll even say the S word, which is selling um, our beliefs. Making money, making money. money. Like, exactly. Like money. And we, we have to really deconstruct these beliefs from and separate them from being a good therapist. Um, and so the way to do that is really shift your idea of investing into, okay, I'm going to invest in what I'm doing and my craft as well as being seen and allowing people to come into that. Because if all I focus on is my craft, 
and not helping people, then I'm not really helping people because I'm not giving the oppor- people the opportunity to step into that. And if all I'm doing is focusing on business, then I'm obviously not providing that transformation. So we have to see that as an equal investment. Um, so that's really the first step, I would say. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I can imagine for a lot of folks, there's going to be some potential blocks that show up there, right? Like, gosh, imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. telling us that like, who are we to be kind of embracing this idea of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. Um, um, and and even as clinicians, right? There's so many different ways that it can show up. And then perfectionism, I, I won't, I can't do it until everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are there any other blocks that you see therapists kind of coming up against in that process? Yeah. I think one of the big ones is selling. And the the truth about selling is like, we see that as, oh, okay, you know, we don't want to be this like used car salesman approach. So I'm not going to talk at all about what I do or help people invite them. But when we really shift to seeing that as part of our service, then the whole conversation changes. But I think when we're trying to um, also understand what we do and provide, we lose that. So we think we're working under some other theory or method, but each of us as therapists have a special sauce, a special niche. Yeah, maybe you work as a CBT therapist with people with anxiety, but there's certain people that you love working with or you know, there's certain a certain way that you approach it that's different. And so I think that when we just try to all become like the same or like in, um, you know, check the drop down in psychology today, it's not encompassing the like full um, capacity of who we are and who we serve. And that's really a disservice to people who are looking for that help and support and a disservice to what we provide. So we have to get really clear on that and be comfortable with like, yeah, I do CBT, but actually I do it really well with this type of person. And that's who I love working with. I did a a survey, not like fully researched, but just of my email list of therapists of what percentage of clients that you work with that you really feel like is your ideal client. And the number was 20%. So that means 80% of therapists are working with people they don't feel like is their person. And so that needs to change. And that's a sales problem, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. Okay. So many things you said here. Um, this whole idea of being a blank slate, right, which has roots in our field and is a discourse that is definitely um, spread <laughs> through our training at times. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. What happens when we blank ourselves out? Um, one, I don't really, I don't believe that you can do that. Like mm-hmm. you are a human being, and bl- and you, can, you you're not doing that in the therapy room. And if you think mm-hmm. you are, you're missing yeah. the mark on something. You're exactly. you're missing the fact that you are showing up in the room, and you could be missing things that are showing up um, clinically or relationally with your client, right? But besides that point, when it comes to business and marketing, if we blank ourselves out, then that bridge between the potential client that you could support the most and your practice and your business is is not clearly marked, right? Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen there is you're going to find yourself, like it sounds like with you know your email list of folks, like 80% of them are not working with their ideal client. And that's not good for business because you're going to burn out and you're not going to feel fulfilled by the work you're doing. 
And it's not good for the clients either. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, my friend, Dr. Michaela, who's like the queen of copywriting for websites, mm-hmm. one of the things that she says is you want people to bounce off of your website if they're not the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. And if I have a website, if I'm showing up in a way that is blanking out who I am as an individual, my voice, my approach, um, my specialty, but what I bring to the room, right? Just as a human being, then people aren't going to bounce off and they're going to, they're going to reach out. It's going to be potentially a waste of their time if it ends up not being the right fit. Um, and, and for me as well. And so it's good all around if we allow ourselves to really hone in on our niche, connect in with not just who we can serve, but what makes us unique and what brings, Mm -hmm. what, what our voice brings to the table. And, you know, I know a lot of folks, when it comes to the word sales or selling, they kind of cringe. And the way that I look at it, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is is it's more about nurturing. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. if I nurture the audience that I am speaking to, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on my podcast, whether that's on my email list, these are some of the main ways that I bring in my ideal clients or customers Mm -hmm. for my offerings. If I am nurturing them, which means I'm always selling, right? Like anything I post on there, everything I do is with intention. If I'm not doing it with intention, then why am I doing it, right? Like you got to get crystal clear. Anything that you are creating, for why? What is the purpose? Who are you trying to reach? But with everything I'm putting out there, um, whether it's free content or it's a very clear um, marketing selling pitch, um, I'm nurturing. Yeah, And you know, what's so interesting is I just started seeing clients again um, after my baby and I sent out one email blast um, to my email list, just sharing that I'm taking on clients and my practice was full the next day. Like it was full the next day. And that was just a very clear indicator to me that the nurturing that I've done um, with my email list, with the audience and community who I am in front of is they feel nurtured in the mm-hmm. sense that they knew that they were ready to reach out to me, to pay my full fee, to hop on my schedule. I've had a few consultation calls and a few first sessions already. And these, every single one of them is a good fit. Mm-hmm. Certainly there will come in folks who are not going to be the right fit. And I'm not afraid to name that and tell them and give them a resource or referral to go to because mm-hmm. I'm not scared that there isn't going to be 10 other people behind them wanting to get on my calendar. Um, And yeah, so would you agree that you can kind of look at, if people don't like the word selling, can we look at it as nurturing? (laughs) Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I think that what you said is like so true that if you're expressing, coming from that place of service, educating your audience, you're not like, you know, bombarding them with like, you know, a, a product every week you're creating that education, then we're not going to have that issue. But the problem at the core is that we've been told like that therapists are generalists. We can work with anybody. We have these skills that anyone that walks through your office, you can help them. And the reality is that just because you can help them doesn't mean you should be the one helping them or in the container that you think you should be helping them within. So that's the, you know, um, analogy that's often used is like, if you're, God forbid somebody in your life like had this, um, you know, form of rare form of cancer. Do you want to go to the doctor that, you know, does that and the general practitioner, or do you want to find 
that person that does the specific, you know, specific treatment for this. You're going to find the specific treatment person, right? So that's the same idea that we need to have of, okay, like I'm so clear in who I am that I'm not trying to be everything for everybody because that doesn't work. That's not serving them or you, like you said. Exactly. Oh my gosh. 100%. All right. We are... We are on we are on the same boat, girl. Yeah. We are we are like, and who wants to jump on the boat with us? We'll grow this boat. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, all right. So there's these we it's, there's this big mindset shift that has to happen. And and then and then what comes next? What would you say mm-hmm. comes next in terms of this process of really embracing your the inner entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next thing that I would say is investing in this the same way you've invested in your education. So that might look like learning about how what's you know the current state of the world of the self education um, kind of world that's happening on Instagram and and the coaching industry and where people are at and what they're looking for. I think a lot of what we're taught is a really old way of doing of the therapy model, but our education is way more versatile than that. When I first, um, you know, kind of entered the digital space, I um, started a, a coaching certification um, out of, that was uh, my mentor as a therapist, it turned into a coach. When I entered the space and I saw what all these like coaches, life coaches, people were doing, I was like, wait, why are the therapists doing this? We're the most educated people, but we think it only comes in one format that because we have all this knowledge on mental health and how to practice therapy, all we should be doing is practicing therapy. I think that's the worst way of thinking. We have to see what people need and be able to meet them. I think that's going to help our problem of accessibility in the mental health world. And we're actually going to be the people that are the masters of this content, sharing it in different packages and different ways along the way. So you know, that's why I say the online coaching, the online education um, thing is not going away. There's, uh, I read a recent statistic that by 2025, it'll be like a $30 billion industry. I think it's around like $12 billion. So if therapists kind of like don't jump on that train of like, and unfortunately we were all thrown on that train during the pandemic, we all had to figure out even people that never used anything on the internet, don't even have a website or are on psychology day, they had to figure out how to make this transition. So if we don't figure out that this is where people are going, and if we're not the ones providing it, we're the actual experts, and they're going somewhere else. And that's not a service either. So you really have to learn um, and learning and investing in that learning the same way that you did on all your schooling, your clinical education. I know it feels like, man, I've invested so much. I have the college loans, all the stuff. But we have to learn how to create these sustainable businesses long term so we don't get burnt out and we can make sure we're going to have a space for that impact long term. Yes. Oh my gosh. 100%. Yes. So we realized with the pandemic how important it was to have the skills to be able to connect with your community when you can't be in person, how to um, support folks in the digital space. And what I think a lot of folks are realizing now is, oh my gosh, like, this is like, I mean, if, if you're in private practice, like I could save money on overhead. Like I could be commuting less. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're seeing how, pos- how possible, feasible, and helpful it is for people to learn 
in the digital space, whether it's mm-hmm. through an online course or a virtual workshop mm-hmm. um, or teletherapy. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to kind of hear from you, what are some of the creative ways that you're seeing therapists moving into the digital space? Because I completely agree with you that if we don't realize that that's where things are heading, and that does not mean that the traditional way of being in person, in the room with someone one-on-one or working with a couple or a family or group therapy, that's not all going away. Like Mm -hmm. I – I, that is not going away. And if that is at your heart, at your core, what you always want to do, you get to do it forever mm-hmm. and always. There is There are people who are seeking that mm-hmm. or if you want to have that be a part of your business. But we, if we don't jump into the arena, mm-hmm. uh, which traditionally we have not because we've been scared, too scared to or told that we can't, the messaging has been, nope, that's not where we go. What we do is behind closed doors. Other people show up in that space. Other people get into the arena because they're like, "Well, this is where this is where the money's at, you know, and this is where this this is what people are are wanting. This is making it a lot more accessible." But we are not showing up in the arena, and like you said, um, we have so much to be bringing into that space, mm-hmm. right, through our education and our training, um, and just and, and the ways in which we navigate ethically supporting people, right, Mm -hmm. in the wellness Mm -hmm. world. And so we need to be in the arena. Mm -hmm. And what are some ways that we can be showing up? What are some ways that we can be exploring um, creative offerings, ways that we can be showing up in the digital space and also making money? Yeah. So um, a few of the ways that I specifically coach my clients, my business coaching clients, within our really creating like an all-encompassing coaching business online. And then within that, playing around with how to connect with your ideal client and creating ways for them to really get that information and potentially kind of nurture them and bring them into your audience. So a few ways to do this that are like the most common is obviously you want to get really specific because the great thing about online coaching, um, and, and I definitely teach my therapy, um, my business coaching clients and therapists how to do this legally or and ethically. This is like the number one fear that I get like, oh, like is my license at risk here? It's not at risk. It's a very easy thing to do and make sure you're doing it right. Um, and you're making all those considerations. That's like the first big block. But once you get through that, you get really specific and clear on who you help, how you help them. You already are operating out of this space. So then you translate that into wait, which parts of this do I love doing? Do I love like teaching my clients? Is that a big part of my therapeutic orientation? And this is how I uh, kind of teach them around this concept. Is this really, it's teaching a big component. Then maybe you would love to create an online course because you love teaching and this is part of, you can kind of sit, uh, create a course with your ideal client in mind based off of what you consistently tell your client clients every day because they're if they all look the same so you create and i teach clients how to create their own method and framework out of that combination of their ideal client their therapeutic orientation and um their specific like niche and kind of what they can integrate so i've um, worked with therapists on integrating you know maybe they have a big specialty in like codependency and then on a personal note 
this is one of my clients, um, on a personal note, she has a faith background and she saw that come out so frequently within people um, in her community. So what she did was she created a coaching program that she could work with people on an individual level. She was offering it through her church um, with the church staff on how to like create those healthy boundaries within an organization. She was um, also created a course out of what she was consistently telling individual clients. And so based on that very specific niche, she had so many offerings that could meet people in different places and then was nurturing a community that said, hey, like I want to learn about that from you. So these are just some examples, but coaching, consulting is a great um, avenue that I teach uh, my clients to, to go into and kind of sharing your niche within communities. I have a client that's really specifically focused on API community, and she's gone in more recently with some of that uh, racism towards that community more recently and been able to provide trainings um, at organizations. So and then um, these sorts of things are really important and really great to do. Um, and then ultimately courses and group programs can eventually be a scalable model. So I teach all of those things as well. Yes, there are so many ways that we can be diversifying our income. And what a cool feeling it is to be able to offer something to folks who would otherwise not be able to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, and also to wake up in the morning and see that you've made money while you were asleep, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Such a cool feeling. And both of those things are can be equally valuable and important, right? Um, that you are providing for yourself and for your family and really having this other layer of security in your business financially mm -hmm. yeah. while also embracing the fact that this is allowing you to be more accessible um, and allowing you to maybe even offer something at a lower price point than mm -hmm. typically would be, than therapy would cost. So there's just, there's so many benefits to it. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, you know, when I look at my financials and the ways in which I've supplemented my income over the past couple of years, my courses are what brought me into the six-figure place where I wasn't having to trade time for money to get there, right, and break through that ceiling, as well as um, now offering live workshops, which has is something that, you know, a, there are certain, certain people in my ideal um, population that I want to support who want the thing that's like self-paced and they want to just like purchase it. They have lifetime access and they can watch it on their own. Um, and that tends to be my therapist community with my mm -hmm. private practice uh, courses. Mm -hmm. And then my, my mom community, I've noticed that they really want to connect live and they want to be able to ask questions and feel this sense of like togetherness in this, in this crazy, the craziness of motherhood. And so offering live workshops um, and then having it be recorded and being able to resell it um, mm -hmm. to people who want to access it afterwards has been another beautiful source of income for me. My podcast, so monetizing my podcast, as well as taking on sponsors for in social media 
and doing it in a way that feels very much in alignment, in a way that is ethical, in a way that is also addressing what this might mean for um, potential clients who are listeners of these podcasts. There are ways to navigate this Mm -hmm. where you are, like you said, addressing all of these things without fear and moving forward so that you can continue to have ways of making money that is passive income or that is creative income that's allowing you to move past just the trading time for money or only seeing seeing clients and having that be the only way in which you are bringing in income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And and like you meant like you mentioned there's memberships, um, group coaching, consultation, so many beautiful creative ways that we can be showing up. Okay. So let's say a therapist is now listening right now and they're like, all right, I am sold. Like I, I, I recognize that there's some mindset blocks might be showing up. Um, I, I have some, I know that my, my homework here is to get really clear on who it is that I want to be working with and maybe some ways in which I could be showing up in the digital space to offer this, whether it's a course or a live workshop. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's, and then there's courses out there to kind of learn how to do these things. And so taking a look at some of those different options, Mm -hmm. of course I have courses and I'm always though very, like for me, there's enough there. I, I, I hate the scarcity mindset. So for me, I'm like, you know, there are enough therapists out there, um, looking for support that I know I'm going to be the right fit for in terms of what I'm offering. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, I'm ready. Go take a look at what's out there. Mm-hmm. I have offerings, but a lot of other people do too. And they're not always therapists either. There's amazing business courses out there mm-hmm. and um, group memberships or c- consultations where you can go out and see what's the right fit to support me in this process. But when I, but when it comes to that, I've also in, in coaching other therapists, I've found therapists come and say to me, I have spent so much money on different things and, and gosh, I, I haven't moved forward at all. And so do you have any advice for somebody who is thinking about investing in their business in terms of what kind of how do they make good decisions in investing in their business? Because there are so many things out there. And if you're, if, if you've at the end of the year looking at your financials and you've invested into your business, but you haven't moved forward, that means that there was, it wasn't working, right? Um, something there wasn't working. Do you have any, any tips for a therapist who's going to be making this decision about investing in themselves and in their business? What do they, what kind of work do they need to do internally first before they make that big decision? Yeah, great question. So I would say that I would definitely look into a course, a program, one-on-one that they really are equipped to address the mindset or what I call like the inner work. You can learn every single strategy in the book, but if you haven't cleared up that stuff, it's not going to come through. We know that as therapists. So you could be taking all the courses. You could Google most of what both of our programs probably have. Maybe not specifically for us as therapists, but you you could Google mostly anything. But if you don't have that support and structure to walk you through what might be coming up, 
So I always say it's like the soul work and the strategy. So Mm, that's the first thing that I would look for. Maybe you want to get a totally different program on like money mindset or something first. Um, And then I would say that really you want to look for mentors, people that are um, approaching business or sharing content, education, what have you in a way that really aligns with you. So like if you really connect, like you're always, you know, watching Cassidy's stories and you're like, I can't wait to see what she says. Then you kind of know there's something in how she's approaching this that you really connect to. There's other people you follow that you're like, why am I following this person still? They're not like your person. They're not your mentor. So I really say like, see someone that you really align with. And also are they creating and are they where you want to be three steps ahead of you? Um, 10 steps ahead of you. If they don't have the business or the model or like approach that you want in your future, then likely they're not your mentor either. So just kind of naturally go with who are people you like learning from, watching their stories on Instagram, listening to, if you're listening to this podcast, who are your podcast people? And then um, go with that kind of combination, ultimately someone that's done what you, um, you know, want. And I think like therapists, people that have built something outside of just business coaching is a really good thing to notice too. Have they built another community? Um, I know for me, my business coaching came out of already having that success in my dating sphere. So I could help people in their specific sphere, not just like, okay, I know business and, um, and so I can kind I learned these things in another program and now I'm telling you. So I think that's really totally. important too. Totally. I could not agree more. I mean, I had my Dr. Cassidy account. I was talking to moms and I was, that was really my focus. Mm-hmm. And similarly, I had therapists DMing me or reaching out and asking about showing up on Instagram. And then when I, and then asking about podcasts and the, the courses and the workshops. And then I found, I'm also a professor and I I love the teaching of other therapists and I had a supervision group and I loved having those conversations about the business side. And so then I held an in-person workshop just for fun because I was like, you know what? Like I, like, like you said, I spent way too long Googling things, YouTubing things to figure it out because no one handed me the roadmap. And I would love to sit with a bunch of therapists and just offer the roadmap the simplified roadmap of like the direct way of how I got to where I was. And that, that in-person workshop was just lit me up in a way that I hadn't even felt in the classroom teaching therapists, you know, theories because I loved the business side of things and just the creative ways that therapists can be showing up. And just the idea of dismantling some of these messages was so like, invigorating to me, um, which I know you can relate to. And so then, and so then I turned it into a digital course, but I have, I have my whole other side of my business where I am working with postpartum moms, offering the live workshops. I have that podcast. I am, you know, taking on sponsors for that podcast and offering digital courses in that sphere as well. Mm -hmm. And definitely got to the point like two years ago where I was like, I also need help <laughs> because I have these now two very clear communities, mm-hmm. um, but my two feet are in these two spaces and I don't want to feel like I'm doing the splits, you know, mm-hmm. I want it to be um, something that sort of feeds into each other, which it definitely does now, mm-hmm. now that I took the step to hire a virtual assistant and get mm-hmm. support. And then what's cool, and maybe you can relate to this, is as I navigate these things, right, like 
as I figured out, I need help. I need a VA. Um, I'm going to hire one. I'm going to work with one. And then I was like, and now I want to help other therapists on how to do this. So then I created a lesson in my course on how to work with a VA. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they do feed into each other. And what I want to share now with the listeners, considering their situations here, is there are beautiful ways in which the other things that you do can feed into the businesses that you already have, right? And so if you if you are building a business that's a very well-oiled machine and you're getting the support to do that, you're not going to be going crazy because you have all these different things happening. The parts of your business that you're building are going to serve each other. That mm-hmm. is when you're really working smarter, not harder, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And you're and, and yeah, so I don't know if you've if, if you've had similar experiences in your business, um, but mm-hmm. that's possible, right? Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And I think that the big kind of block to get over when you're considering like, oh my goodness, like that sounds like a lot, or if you're feeling kind of intimidated by the idea of building these businesses is think about the trajectory if you feel like you're not making the impact that you want, if you're consistently trading time for money always, you know, if you're never, um, you know, kind of expanding beyond and saying, oh, that would be interesting. You have these creative ideas, but they never come to life. The impact of that over time is burnout. You're either going to be burned out or broke is often what I tell therapists. If you're always looking for clients or if a client, if, you know, um, you have a low month and then you're freaking out because you need to get whatever client you need, like you're always going to be on this hamster wheel. But if you really think about like if you're, let's say you're full one month and you have to turn away 10 people, what if those 10 people really wanted to learn your specific niche and post, you know, thing about postpartum and um, they didn't get the chance to learn about in your magic in a different package just because you couldn't see them in that one-on-one container. So think about that when you're thinking about creating that impact and that legacy long lasting, you decide you want to quit therapy tomorrow what happens to all of that knowledge and experience that you learned through working with so many clients every time that could change people's lives. So when you think about it from that perspective of both the income and impact, which is what I really focus on in my programs, we all have that like legacy, like, you know, a lot of therapists write books and, you know, you have like podcasts and there's a way to share this. And I think we need to think about like, okay, what can I do that's going to be sustainable for me in my own life and a sustainable way to allow my work to like live in a different way beyond me or, you know, what I decide to do in my like, you know, career. Mm, I love that you're naming legacy in this because yeah, at the end of the day, the businesses that we build are a part of that legacy, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is, this is our life work. Mm-hmm. And the imprint that we're leaving um, on this earth, and mm-hmm. if and what happens behind closed doors with those clients, oh my gosh, that does that have such a huge imprint? And that's why I know I will, I will always mm-hmm. work with clients one on one, even if I'm not seeing as many because I have other sources of income and yeah. and I can just focus on those few clients. It is something I'll always do because that work is so sacred to me mm-hmm. and so impactful. And there are so many other ways that you can be living that, leaving that imprint mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And oh, this has been such a lovely conversation. I am just so grateful to be connected to 
someone who's in that boat with me. <laughs> so, because um, it, it initially felt pretty isolating, but more and more there's clinicians who are jumping on the boat too of embracing their little inner entrepreneur. And uh, thank you so much. Where can people find you and the things that you are offering and get a chance to connect with you more? Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a beautiful conversation. You can find me on Instagram. My specific Instagram for therapists that we just launched a few months ago is at thriving therapist. And you can also follow me um, on my other account, the date Dr. Christie um, as well. Amazing. I will be sure to include links to that in the show notes so people can come and find you and say hello. Dr. Christie, thank you so much for coming on. I am so glad we had this conversation and I can't wait to get it out to all the listeners. And thank you to the listeners for sticking around with us. I hope that you are leaving this conversation feeling as inspired as I am. Thank you, Dr. Christie. Thank you so much. 